Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I'm a true vet. I've been in the league for 15 years playing, but 16 years, you know, around the league. So I play with so many different players under so many different coaches. I know a few coaches here before I got here, so I know I had a couple teammates that I played on some teams with before I got here. So I think that stuff adds and helps with, you know, speeding that transition up with, uh, you know, just getting used to your teammates. So these guys have been watching me play, played against me, scouted against me plenty of times, so they kind of know my game and vice versa. I've scouted and played against these guys too, so... Uh, you know, all that stuff matters, I feel like. And I think once we get on the court, basketball is basketball at the end of the day. We've been playing this game since we was kids, so we'll figure it out. It's Kevin Durant of the Suns talking about figuring it out as they enter the playoffs. We had some uh, activity on our, our Twitter uh, channel at uh, Bickley underscore Murata. Yeah. It says, tease us. Tell us there's three players who started 82 games and then don't tell us who they are. Well, because we didn't know. Sue us. Leave it to Jared Carlin. No, don't get out. Us. Yeah. I hope you're, I hope you're right because I'm 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 attributing yeah, this right. to you. I am right. Mikael Bridges was one. Mm-hmm. Played eighty three actually. Eighty three. Uh, Nikola Vukovic. Okay. Vucevic. 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 The uh, Bulls. Okay. And Malkovich. 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 And Scotty Barnes. Barnes of the Raptors. Oh, it's Scotty Barnes. So there you go. Only three guys. No, no, Harrison Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Barnes. I should have just just put Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Barnes. (laughs) Brad Barnes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There you go. There's the answer. Sorry sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, Kevin Durant is obviously the focal point of of all of this. Later on in today's show at 830, we're going to talk to Law Murray, who covers the Clippers for The Athletic. And there's been a lot coming out of L.A. about the Clippers getting ready for Kevin Durant. What an obstacle he can be in a best-of-seven playoff series. You mentioned that they had Brandon Boston kind of simulating Kevin Durant. Yeah. Even the articles written out of L.A. are like, eh, you can try. You're not going to simulate what Kevin no, Durant does. No, Law Murray also had a picture of Clippers practice with a purple... It wasn't a regular Suns jersey, but it was a purple practice jersey oh. that said Durant 35 on a hanger on the baseline of their practice court. Oh, okay. Like, this is yeah, the focus cool. this yeah. week for the Clippers. Yeah, without a doubt. So, uh, And this is going to be interesting because KD, I think that um, when, when this stuff gets real physical and when it gets really crazy, I, I'm real curious to see w- where his game is at. W- w- before he got hurt the first time, which sidelined him in, in Brooklyn, he was playing at a very high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and MVP level actually, and and I'm I'm curious to see if he can get back to that level when it when there's a lot going around on around him, a lot of bumping, a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, and and he's done it before, so I, I don't really fear it. Um, if I were Ty Lue, I would what you like you just said. I'd call Brandon Ingram and I'd say, "Listen, dude, what are you doing for the next couple of days? Can you just come and simulate Kevin Durant for us?" <laughs> I'm sorry that you just got eliminated, but we could really use you. You're probably tired and frustrated, but, but hey, yeah, help, but hey, us, help right, us out. Right, help us out a little bit. We'll make here. it worth your while. <laughs> How about a fresca? <laughs> uh, Kevin Durant yeah. talked uh, yesterday, too, about in his experience what changes in the playoffs. I think it slows down a bit. If you watched uh, even the play in game last night, I know we went to overtime, but I felt like that was a slow paced game compared to the 140s, 130s we'd be seeing in the regular season. Um, and even 
even so with that first game in Atlanta too is a slow down physical game. So I think that that's that's really what playoffs is. You know, a lot of the stuff, the pet plays that you ran throughout the regular season might not be there. So just gotta just gotta knuckle down and guard up and and, and play strong with and, on offense and see what happens. He's not wrong. One thing that stands out to me and what I've seen just in the play-in games and, and even if you go back to past the uh, post seasons of the past, Bick is mm-hmm. that not only does it slow down, but everybody gets a little bit tighter. Oh yeah, and it's the the guys that are comfortable taking the big shots that are making the big shots. But if you go back to the playing game between the Lakers and the Timberwolves, the T Wolves played great basketball for three quarters, and when the game got close, everybody tightened up, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to shoot the ball. And they went deep in the shot clock. We saw it in the games last night to a degree as well. And Oklahoma City got away with it at, at, at certain times because some guys weren't making shots. But that's where you don't worry about Kevin Durant, no. a guy who's been through this so many different times with deep playoff runs and championship runs and a guy who's just, I mean, you hear him described as a walking bucket. Yeah, and he is. Yeah, and, and this is and this is hopefully going to be exactly the piece that the Suns need to get this thing done. I, and uh, the deeper you go, the more and more that condition you just described actually becomes a thing. I remember when the Grant Hill, Steve Nash... Uh, Suns got to the Western Conference Finals that year, and they lost to Kobe Bryant that year. Um, I remember that Grant Hill came up to me after one of the games, and and he was talking about a teammate, and he's like, man, I throw him the ball. It was coming right back at me. Mm-hmm. Right back at me. And like, and he finally realized, okay, I know what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And, and basketball teams have to deal with that. They know. They, they talk about this stuff. Pigeons is one of those words. Not necessarily guys who are afraid to shoot. Those are the weak links on a basketball court defensively. But but still, this is how ruthless it gets. And so that this, to me, is really going to be um, fun to watch. Because if Ty Lue has got all this time to prepare a defense, and he's committed himself, okay, we're not going to lose to Kevin Durant. That's the one thing we're not going to do. He's a proven finals MVP not him. Yeah. Anybody but him, because nobody else but him has proven it over there. So if they do that, and then they put a tough defensive matchup on Devin Booker, and if Devin Booker isn't in a zone, who is shooting the basketball? And how much? And are they making those shots? That's, I think that's what, those are, that's the bet. I think opponents are going to make on the Phoenix Suns. Yes. They're going to leave dudes wide open. And one of those dudes is Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Who's one of the most cutthroat competitors yep. ever and who is adapting to that role of getting a lot of open looks. If he's your third option offensively and that option is Chris Paul taking open 15 to 22 I'll take foot it. jumpers, I'll, I'll take, take it, it too. I'll take it. Uh, but, but Chris Paul has got to be able to do that. And there's a reason why we've heard repeatedly Chris Paul saying, yeah, these guys are telling me to shoot more. These guys are telling me to shoot more. It's because they know he has to. This has to be a strategy for them. Uh-huh. And, and again, this I, I can't stress enough how weird this must be for a guy with the nickname Point God. Yeah. To spend his entire career not caring about scoring, being a very good scorer, but not caring about it, and being such a facilitator at such an elite level, and being a great defender, and he still is. You can tell his steals, they have not fallen off at all. Mm-mm. So he's still playing really good defense, but this role on offense now, this is unlike anything he's ever been. Yeah, and if he can become go from point God to catch and shoot God, 
take not it. He might get a, he no. might get a championship. Yeah, it's not as catchy. No, I don't. And think don't that's worry. End up on his basketball reference page. Don't worry. Right now, Terrence Ross is listening. Said, "I got this, guys. Don't worry. I'll shoot 19 <laughs> times. Just give me the ball." But that, but again, that's what you got to be careful about because he's got that Jay Crowder mentality that I'm just going to keep shooting. And guys become that way so they steal themselves against failure. The, it, if you're not a truly great player, and Jay Crowder is not a great player, Terrence Ross is not a great player. See, but I, it, uh, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say you, you steal yourself mentally that I'm not going to get my own head. I'm not going to miss five shots and then suddenly stop shooting. It, it, but you got to be careful with that in the playoffs. We've learned that with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder didn't force much. True. He shot. He That's shot the true. Suns out of games in the flow of the offense <laughs> because he knew he could contribute to. That's, I think you're Terrence right. Ross you're is, is Jay Crowder squared. You're accurate on the offense. You're front. accurate. Yes. The last the last game I believe that maybe the one we attended, Sarah, uh, KD was in the corner, wide open, doing this with his hands, and Terrence Ross didn't even look at him. <laughs> And again, it, I, I've got respect for dudes who are confident like that, but that's that's you can't get in that space yeah. as a playoff team. These possessions become so consequential. Yeah, so maybe the question becomes not who is going to shoot those shots, who's going to make those shots. Uh-huh. Anybody can be a shooter. Are you <laughs> a right. maker? That's right. Uh, coming up next, Kevin Durant also spoke about the lingering beef, maybe with Charles Barkley. We'll get into that and more next as we get beef. closer and closer. Lingering beef. <laughs> That's In concert. That would be a good menu item, wouldn't it? Lingering beef. I don't know about that. Not sure. It sounds like a leftover. <laughs> All, All right. this silliness continues next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We both play ball, we both play in the NBA, both are uh, superstar caliber players. <laughs> so I'm sure we can we can relate on a lot of things in life. You know, we've we've accomplished and experienced the same things in this league. So yeah, I wouldn't say we're we're not on the same page. We may disagree on some stuff, but if you watch TNT, they, those guys disagree every day. So <laughs> but but at the, but to the core of it, we're all ball players. We grew up ball players and went through the journey as ball players. So I would I, I say we're on the same page already. It's Kevin Durant responding to Charles Barkley little different tone than the mm. response on Twitter in the past couple of weeks when uh, Charles Barkley went on 60 Minutes and talked about Kevin Durant being sensitive, talked about him being a great player, but talked about him being sensitive. And then there was a quote tweet from Kevin Durant that basically had that clip from the 60-minute interview and said, look, I'll never respect you. Um, aren't you getting tired of this? Um, a much more muted tone, not muted, but softened tone from Kevin Durant in dealing with the media yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think that's probably because I, I think KD doesn't want to be that KD here. I don't think I, there was one time on Twitter where he clapped back, but this wasn't the Charles Barkley thing. It was something else completely different, and he deleted that tweet. And I think I think he's making a conscientious effort not to spar as frequently as he has in the past. I may be wrong about that, but that's it. Kind of strikes me that way. Older, wiser, yeah, calm just, down, yes. sort of like uh, or, new, or just a, just new a, setting, new your setting. priorities. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm not so sure. It's really. I, I think it's more conscientious than than actual maturation. Oh. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think this is just something of I'm in a new place now and I want to fit in. And it, it, again, this has been very weird on him. 
And so, so I think that uh, this uh, to hear him talk like that, uh, it, it would be nice if he and Charles kind of get into a better place. Because if KD is going to be around for a while, then then these are both part of our basketball family. Yes, absolutely. We don't need them feuding. Yeah, and it would be nice if both of them were an MVP in a son's uniform. But I'll say this, too. On this particular issue of sensitivity, the accused sensitivity from Charles Barkley to Kevin Durant, you couldn't have two superstars further apart on that spectrum. That's a great point. Charles Barkley is the least sensitive superstar maybe in the history of sports. That's a great point. It's a great point. So he does, <laughs> the entire show he's on is people making fun of him for twenty minutes. Yeah. Yes, and he's cool with it. Yeah, no. He's, Can you imagine no, somebody right. else? Let's say it was another basketball player who was sitting in Charles Barkley's seat on the TNT panel, and it was a guy who had great individual success, won an MVP, but never won a ring, and got that constant ribbing about that lack of a ring from Shaquille O'Neal. Charles Barkley doesn't care. No. And he's rare in that instance. Not to mention they have entire segments where they quiz him on NBA superstars' names. Yes. Just to make fun Who of him he and he doesn't play care. for. One yeah. of the greatest segments ever. Yeah. Making fun of uh, how little minutiae he actually knows. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I really don't, I, I think that it would be nice if those guys found a, a, a common ground and kind of put that to bed. We don't need two Suns players Harping at each other. No, not yeah. at all. No. Um, especially at this time of the year when yeah. the Suns are under the spotlight a little bit and they're going to get a lot of attention on TNT. Yeah. Win yeah. or lose. Well, so here's the other thing that I thought about while I was watching um, when I was watching the Pelicans last night with Zion Williamson and, and what New Orleans is trying to do. This is something that KD has gotten really good at in terms of um, when he misses games, he might be gone a while, but when he comes back, there's no, there's nothing left between his ears. He, he he lets it rip still, mm-hmm. and he's talked about that. He knows how to he knows how to rehab, and there's an art to it. And so, at some point in time, I, it would be nice for Kevin Durant to talk to Kyler Murray. I think that would be a really cool thing to do. That would be cool. Just kind of say, "Listen, young buck, this is what this. Is, I know what you're feeling. This is how you do it. This is how you get it out of your mind." Now, maybe it's stupid to compare a football to basketball, but Kevin Durant's um, encountered a couple of serious injuries, and, and I'll never forget after what he went down. And uh, the most sympathetic people have ever felt about Kevin Durant was after he ruptured his Achilles in that game for Golden State when everyone knew in the he was put, yeah when everyone knew he was putting it on the line for him when he was compromised it was such a and again as some I had picked Golden State to win that series and you respected it absolutely putting it on the line is yeah. a great way to put it mm-hmm. but when that happened it was a gut punch to everybody even if you weren't a Warriors fan or a Kevin Durant fan it's like wow that's how he gets rewarded for coming back for his team Played like 12 minutes in a finals game and then missed a full season after right. that. Right. And it changed, obviously, that and the, the Clay Thompson injury changed the whole yeah. series. Yeah. And so, uh, and again, uh, we've said this before, uh, a clean bill of health, a close to clean bill of health, that's really, yes. that's all I'm asking for from the basketball gods. I, I think this basketball team is built to survive pretty much most everything else. Um, and once again, I, I think the presence of KD not only is going to help Devin Booker in ways we've talked about and will talk about, but... But the whole demeanor thing, when the game gets that physical, we've, we've seen what it's done to this team. And, and they can't be like that anymore. No. That famous, that famous collage of pictures of Devin Booker grimacing as if he was hit with a sledgehammer. This team has got to get out of that mindset and just through it. And KD does that. And so they can follow him this way through that. 
Uh, Michael Rodericks was right by the phone, called in within seconds. 90 seconds. There so he has uh, qualified for his chance to, to win those uh, hottest tickets in nice. town, playoff tickets. If you're not registered, just text ticket to 620-620. That'll get you registered. And then listen for your name during the noon hour with Wolf and Luke, 5 o'clock hour with Burns and Gambo. And if you hear it, just do what Michael did. Call in within 10 minutes, and you're qualified to win those Game 1 tickets to see the uh, Suns take on the Clippers once again. That's ticket to 620-620. Coming up next, the big stories of the day in the Rush Hour Reboot with the Sarah Cazell. We'll do it straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Jarrett Carlin is back, folks. He's back! I'm sure you could tell, um, not just because he's spoken on the show, but, you know, 20 minutes of dead air like Vince promised. <laughs> there was a, uh, a food question I noticed there was. yesterday or the day before on social I wasn't even here. It was yesterday. It was for you. I didn't want the people to miss you too hard. You know, make them feel your presence even while you're gone. All right, this is the Rush Hour Reboot with the full squad intact. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Murata. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. (laughs) (laughs) And Jared Carlin. (laughs) S-H-I. Well done. Don't keep us hanging. S-H-I. L-L. Shill. (laughs) Ship? Ship. Shimmy? Shin? Shine. I used to have a friend in college named Shimmy. Shinnecock Hills? Oh, well <laughs> done. A government name? Shimmy? No. But his nickname was Shimmy because whenever we would uh, have some beverages, he would just start going like this. You start Shimmy. This person, you, shimmy, you, you yeah, do that shimmy, move yeah. a lot, Jarrett. I do. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> this person named Shimmy. I don't need a beverage to do that move. <laughs> well, fair enough. All right, welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot. We're getting you caught up on the top stories of the day. We're going to start out with the Arizona Cardinals and what in the world is going on with DeAndre Hopkins. It feels like a kind of where in the world is Carmen San Diego situation. He's just popping up on Instagram in Houston and Dallas. He's been linked to the Jets. So Asking we're gonna, people where he should go. Yes, yes. Polling his, his, his followers, where should I go play next? Again, he's not a free agent, just a reminder. Uh, but the new head coach for the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, said earlier this week uh, on the first day of voluntary workouts, he's been in touch with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, we'll see. You know, I've been in, in communication with D-Hop, and um, I want to do what's best for him and us at the same time. So when he's ready to come, he'll come and, and uh, improve his game, too. All right, here's the latest from ESPN's Adam Schefter. Yesterday, this is what he hears is getting in the way of a trade. Uh, and just brace yourself. It comes in real hot with the music. He would, I believe, be willing to play for a lesser contract. But he probably would want to be able to pick his spot, which makes it a complicated situation for Arizona. The fact of the matter is, we're now into April. We're getting closer to the draft. Everybody has known all along that Arizona is open to dealing DeAndre Hopkins. And nobody has been willing to get the trade done so far because you have to satisfy, first and foremost, DeAndre Hopkins. And second, you have to satisfy the Cardinals. To do both, I think, is very difficult. Yeah, it's proving to be difficult. Yeah. Two weeks away from Mm -hmm. the NFL draft, what is the worst case scenario for the Cardinals and D-Hop? 
Worst case would be that Monty Ossenfort just gets the itchy trigger finger and, and makes a deal that's not beneficial to the car as beneficial to the Cardinals as it could be. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like, but right what? now it appears that that would be impossible. Because he has dug his heels in, and we are still talking about this on April 13th, two weeks away from the draft. So but that would be the worst-case scenario. Yeah, the worst-case scenario would be a prolonged holdout where wow. he doesn't show up while blasting continue, while making a lot of noise and causing a lot of distractions, which, uh, once again, is exactly what a new regime does not want. Think of Steve Wilkes and Patrick Peterson. So still on the team. Still on the, the team, but, but back in Houston, making a lot of noise. Pulling and, the full crowd. Crowder. Oh, yeah. The football version of Jay Crowder. Right. To the point where the Cardinals have to go, okay, let's just release this guy. We've had enough of him. It's it's very, very disappointing to me because uh, the reason why this trade is getting held up is that DeAndre Hopkins wants a new contract. And uh, again, I, I don't I don't know what the basis for that would be when when the when he he was paid very handsomely by the Cardinals in a front loaded deal. Right. And the fact that, that it's guaranteed negotiated. the fact that his guaranteed money is gone that's not that's uh, I'm going to cry poor for you because you're guaranteed because you got all your guaranteed money early. Yeah. Right. So I just I just think he is um, he's he's of a mindset that I just don't vibe with. Yeah. There were three NFL stories that I was entirely sick of at the beginning of the week. The Aaron <laughs> Rodgers possibilities, the mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson possibilities, where Odell Beckham Jr. is going to land. Mm-hmm. We know Beckham is in Baltimore now, but now there's two and a half NFL stories that I'm really sick of, and this is the half. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how it works out for the Cardinals, but goodness gracious. Yeah. We've been talking about this since the beginning of the, you know, since the beginning of the offseason, and yeah. really, when things started to go south well, with the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins yes. didn't play at the end of the year, the, the writing was on the wall. Right, you could see it coming. Well, and, and look, it, and I I know DeAndre Hopkins is probably looking at some of the wide receivers who's who have cashed in in the last year and probably thinking, okay, I'm going to get yes. some of that. Look, he's he's a he's he's after the age of 30. He's not he's been injury prone the last two seasons, and he subjected his team to a PED suspension. So these are all qualifiers that I think if if DeAndre Hopkins really wants to win, then okay, then then. Don't don't make your contractual desires part of this negotiation. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, guys. This this right here is the sound of Cardinals fans losing their minds. Cardinals <laughs> posted a 14 second video on social media yesterday of a metal briefcase perched out in the middle of the desert next to a bush of yellow flowers with the words coming soon up on the screen. So we're assuming this is a tease for their new unis. Uh, Though Kyle Odegaard tweeted yesterday, don't read anything into the desert part of the Cardinals uniform teaser, and I don't expect yellow to be super prominent either. What is one thing that you hope the Cardinals do or do not do with these new uniforms? I I'm, if yellow's not prominent, I'm okay with that. Um, I I hope they do get it right. Rebrands that are powered by Nike in their era of making NFL uniforms have not exactly gone well for a lot of the teams that have done those rebrands. So I'm hoping they get it right because you don't want to end up like looking like the Atlanta Falcons more than you already did. 
Yeah, I again, I what I hope, what I wish for, and what I hope for, I think is is absolutely a non-starter, and that is, I wanted a move off of the white helmets, and I, I've, I've felt that way forever, and I don't think it'll ever happen. So, okay, let's get to but, uh, ah. but there's the alternate helmet that's you can have, and I've heard rumors that there might even be a push. I think the Eagles put in a push; they want to have two alternate helmets, so we might be getting to that college football realm. So, the Cardinals. You know, end up with a white, a black, and a red when it's all said and done. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah. All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. We are one day closer to game one between the Suns and the Clippers on Sunday at 5 o'clock tip from downtown Phoenix. James Jones, as he does every single week, the Suns GM and president of basketball operations, went on Burns and Gambo, and he talked about the upcoming run that they hope to make. He said he likes how the Suns match up against the Clippers. I think, well, I think we do. I think, um, you know, like both teams are really balanced. Uh, both teams have have players that have played in the playoffs and been extremely effective. Um, both teams have winners, guys that know what it takes. And so um, it's going to be a challenge for us. You know, they're a virtual team. Uh, they they play extremely well um, together. Um, you know, Ty Lue's a, a great coach. Uh, but I think our guys are expecting uh, a great challenge and ready for that challenge. We also heard from Kevin Durant at practice yesterday. He said he's really excited to face off against Kawhi Leonard good and Russ. Against, you know, Hall of Fame was some of the best players ever touch a court, you know. Uh, that's what you get with Russ and Kawhi out there. Guys that, you know, you seen grow up in the league and still playing elite ball and, and they, what, 12, 13, 14, 15th year, you know, these dudes are getting old, you know. So uh, to get an opportunity to compete against the best is always fun. It's something that, uh, you know, you, you just store away and talk about when you're done playing, get, getting to be, be able to play against the best players. So it's going to be fun. I accidentally cut myself off there. He's excited to face off against Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook. Now, a lot of basketball fans over the last couple of years have really written off Russ Westbrook just as a player, uh, called him contagiously bad, one of the more famous quotes about him in the last two years. I'm curious what you guys think about Westbrook's role specifically in this series. Could he still be dangerous against the Suns? He could be. Um, there is, and Monty Williams talked about it earlier in the week, too, about how many people are discounting what Russell Westbrook's done. He's been a different player since he's been with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He got out of L.A., the role changed. They're using him a little bit better. He looks like a more confident player. If I'm a Clippers fan, I don't know if I'm fully trusting that to continue in the playoffs with a lot on the line, but he can certainly be a factor. Well, listen, he's always been one of the more athletic NBA players. I, I don't know how much of that still applies. He's He he is, what, 34, 35? Is he that old? Is he that old? Uh, maybe, maybe 34. Not. 34. Wow. Okay, so so I, I do think, though, he, he's still athletic. He can, be, he can be physical. I think where he has gotten in trouble before, he, he just... He's not capable of being the guy. He's not skilled enough offensively. He doesn't have enough in his bag offensively to be that guy. And he's he's a ball dominant guy that has relied on athleticism and and just not that reliable of a score in big moments. And I think it's all about finding the right role for him. Yeah, I, I think he's he's been better with the Clippers. I thought it was going to drag the Clippers down. He's been he's been good there. Yeah. Yes. We're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. We are rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, the first place Arizona Diamondbacks headed to Miami. We'll have our weekly visit with the president and CEO of the D-backs, Derek Hall, next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I have the high privilege and the distinct honor to present to you the President. He's the President and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the Chief. Derek Hall. The President. On now with Bickley and Murata. We didn't get the produ- the uh, production elements changed in time for it to say president of the first place Arizona Diamondbacks. It's got a nice ring to it, and hopefully that's something permanently we can add to the open for Derek Hall, who joins us right now on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. What do you think about that, Derek? Uh, Vinny, I think it's uh, it's going to be tough to stay atop this division with our <laughs> yes. opponents, but I would love it. I mean, we can at least say it today, can't we? Yes, yes we can. And another <laughs> yeah. series win. I was, uh, you know, We had Tori on yesterday, and we, we spent a lot of the conversation talking about style of play and how aggressive the Diamondbacks have been on the base paths, as advertised. But to win two out of three against a good team in Milwaukee without a stolen base shows that this team can win a couple of different ways. How good do you feel about that? I, I do feel good about it, and and you could also see when our guys were on base yesterday, it, it was it seemed to be in the head of the pitcher and the opposition and the catcher. So uh-huh. um, I, I think they're very aware of who we are. So we're starting to get a bit of a target on our backs to the way we play, but that's okay because that's their style and that's not going to change. When you face Corbin Burns the night before, who was electric, I, I mean that's the best stuff I've ever seen out of him, I and mean, he's such a great pitcher. You, you can't steal bases when you don't get on base. So you know mm-hmm. it was nice to bounce back from that that loss and to take that series again we talk about it but you know to go five and two on a homestand that included the Dodgers and and the Brewers that's tough to do uh, especially with our track record the last couple of years yeah but this is I think this is probably about as good of a beginning as you could have scripted um, your your thoughts on the ceiling of this baseball team and and what they may have confirmed over the first couple two three weeks of the season yeah, Beck, I think I, it definitely is confirmation that these young guys are not scared. They have a lot of confidence. They love the game, and they also like the pressure that they put on the opposition. I think that's just going to continue. So I, I think it's a team that, that could resist losing streaks just because they do have the ability to snap out of a, out of a, a bad place. It looked like that the other night. You know, They certainly were flat, and they were going against one of the league's best pitchers, and like I said, rebounded right back yesterday. So I think that, that shows me you know, that that could be a resilient team. But on the other hand, I, I still think we have some holes. I think we, we still need to, to improve in especially our relief pitching. You know, I think the, the first half of our bullpen, we've had some inconsistency. And we're going to try and shore that up. You know, we're going to try and uh, establish some roles. I think we've had some dominant pitching out of the bullpen. You guys touched on it earlier. Chafin's been remarkable. I think Nelson's been fantastic. You know, Ginkle's had, had good moments. Um, so, so Castro has shown that he has electric stuff. So it's there. We just have to be a little bit more consistent. And if a starting pitcher is only going to go five, six innings, that we know we can still hold that lead and close out a game. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Focusing on Corbin Carroll, who is in a unique situation for a young player as a rookie, already rewarded with a big-time contract, only 32 games on it on his Major League resume. But, you know, if you look at the numbers and how he's played, he's already been one of the most productive rookies in, in the National League. Overall, how do you think Corbin Carroll has handled that, that added pressure, if it does add pressure to a player like him, Derek? 
Yeah, you know, Vince, I don't think he feels the pressure at all, and he shows that. I mean, he signed that contract, went right back out, and continued to you know pick up where he left off. And I, I still think, obviously, the best is yet to come with him. Um, he's just such a professional, and, and he's got the right focus, and he's committed. Uh, I don't worry about him at all. I think he has handled that, if you want to call it pressure or the news, um, you know, in, in, in best fashion possible. He is a fun player to watch every night. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be one of the best, uh, not only on our roster, but in baseball, I believe. That's putting pressure on someone, but we really have a lot of faith in him, obviously, by the commitment we made to his contract. And, and um, you know, I think the rest of the team sees it, too. They feed off it. But this guy is, boy, I mean, he's so versatile. He can do so many things. I mean, the power yesterday to go opposite field uh, at a time when we needed it after we just gave up three runs and, and really got out of a jam and a mess because of Chafin. Uh, but, you know, he, he just comes through. He always does. And, and uh, he's the type of guy, when he's on deck, you know, Vince, you look and go, oh, good, Corbin's coming up, you know, and you can't wait to see the at bat, and you see it with fans too. I mean, it when his name is announced, there, there's just a little bit of electricity in the stands. When you take a look at uh, at the depth you guys have in the pitching rotation, something like I said before, it kind of took me by surprise. We all heard about the position players and the outfielders and all that. With that in mind, what is the organizational plan with patience and Madison Bumgarner? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, and I think if if you ask him, he's probably more frustrated than anybody. This is a guy who's got a great track record. He's been a terrific pitcher. Some say he's on his way to Cooperstown and, you know, because of the dominance he's had in the playoffs and such a great career. It's, uh, you know, it's 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 tough because now you're going on the road. You you have had really good starts. Um, as I said, he's frustrated and wants to figure it out. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's a professional. He, he's working hard with, with Stromy and, you know, with Fetters in his, in his side sessions, his bullpens. Um, and, and you do believe he will figure it out. And there were flashes last year, Bick, where not just the Atlanta game, but there were times where he was he was carrying the rotation and going six, seven innings. So you know it's there, and it's a matter of making adjustments. He's going to go to a, a really talented young team tomorrow night, and it's going to be a challenge. So we'll see how, how he reacts. But um, we expect you know stronger performances out of him, and he certainly expects it out of himself. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the D-backs, our weekly guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm going to shift the focus now to a broadcasting question, Derek, and I'm sure you're Uh-oh. really happy to talk about it. Uh, the, the, uh, Diamond Sports, of course, the, the parent company of Valley Sports Arizona and the regional networks filed for bankruptcy, and the latest headlines read that uh, it seems like Diamond Sports is trying to give the Diamondbacks the short end of the stick in terms of what is owed to the ball club. Uh, a, how frustrating is this right now for you, and B, what is the latest and, and what can fans expect that might be concerned about D-backs being on t- television? Sure. Well, you know, number one, we have to make sure that we are televised. And so that's our first and, and top priority. We've communicated that to Diamond and just said, look, if you're going to get to the point where, where you're never going to pay us and you're going to reject the contract, please do it early so that we can move and pivot really quick to plan B and tell our fans where they can then go see baseball. Um, you know, Major League Baseball and the commissioner have said any of these teams that may be impacted, we're going to find a way to get them on the air. So that's comforting. I, I just hope that, you know, we can work this out. Of course, as I said, it is in bankruptcy court. It's not something that I gone through. I'm learning a lot. Unfortunately, I'm getting a PhD overnight in, in <laughs> bankruptcy with RSNs. And, uh, it, you know, we were, we were the first team not to get paid. Now there's a couple more that are swimming in our pool, too. And it, it's, uh, it, it's frustrating. We're scratching our heads. But there's 14 teams at our valley. And I hope at the end of the day, we're all still working under the same agreements that we you know, originally signed. And, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Our next payment is in the next couple of months. But uh, they do have the right to televise our games without us, you know, getting a, a penny. 
see. But but again, as long as our fans get to see games, that's most important. We'll worry about this later and, and see how the courts rule it. Yeah, this is not the this is this is the time to be visible. This is not the time to have your right. customers looking for the product. <laughs> Amen, Vic. No bueno. All right, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna run the question by you that I ran uh, by Tori Lavello, and that is, uh, I think a couple years from now, maybe three years from now, if you guys get where you want to go, I think we're all gonna look back and just marvel at how Mike Hazen was able to put together this great young team while dealing with un speakable personal loss and then you fold in Tori Lovello uh, not many managers come back from a, a 110 loss season and yet you guys stuck with him even though it was a series of one year contracts and 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 look at what you got now the connectivity that the tough times has built your leadership of this baseball team can you feel it does it matter Oh, yeah, it definitely matters. And, and that's a great question, a great point. And, and I'm glad that we did stick with them. Uh, I think the world of Mike and his team around him, they're very talented. They're very smart. They know how to build a roster. And you're right. What he went through, you know, we needed to support him. And, and the, the love and support we have for Tory as well. That was a time back where, you know, we all were accountable. And we, we said that. I mean, I said that with you guys. It, it, was, it would not be fair to point the finger and say, you guys lost all those games. We, we signed up for it, you know. And, and the decisions that we made, it's not just them in a vacuum. It's all of us putting our heads together and saying we're the ones saying, yes, we agree. So, um, that you know, it's, it's a little tough to place blame on anybody when we all needed to, to share the, the, you know, the blame. And so uh, I'm really pleased with their, where they've gone. They deserve it. And I, I hope you're right. I hope in two or three years we, we are the team that we think we're going to be. And uh, with the talent that we have, the depth that we have, the question you asked earlier, Vic, too, about pitching, I mean, we're seeing it with the position players. But when you still have Walston and you have – you know, fought, and now you see Jamison in the in the rotation. We've got a lot of depth, and at some point, Lawler and Drew Jones. I mean, it's exciting times, and that's why you you see that coming. And with that forecast, you think, let's see how that group of players that you know our scouts and our scouting department and our drafts produced and our player development produced. Let's see how how our how our general manager and manager do with that staff, and uh, you're, they're showing. They're yep. you know they're the right group for it. I hope. Derek, great stuff Good as stuff. Always, yeah. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next week. You got it. Look forward to it. And uh, go Suns and go Keller tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our weekly guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, our daily feature. You're going to get blasted. Bick's got the victory Fire. blast. Straight ahead, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.